1: This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
2: Ah, the trade deadline that almost was. Happy Valentine's Day. It's Carlin vs. Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. Joe, I got a little annoyed about an hour and a half ago when I look up in my inbox and I see... A happy Valentine's Day heartfelt from the bank that has my car loan. <laughs> that made me feel so much better about the interest rate I'm Every, paying. Right I, now. I am thrilled. Happy Valentine's Day
3: from Nelnet, your law school student loan officer. <laughs> It's like,
2: yeah, it's coming. It's direct deposit. You get it every month at the same time. Beat it. Exactly. Exactly. No, I am not going to forego flowers for my wife so I can send a couple extra bucks toward the payment next month. Sorry to disappoint.
3: It is amazing how these companies that have your email take advantage of these holidays. Happy Memorial Day. You need a new lawnmower. (laughs) Today is not the day that made me think of that, okay? No. It's, it's it's I will come to you when I need your product and services.
2: Exactly. God bless our troops. How's the lawn looking? Right. Well done. Jeez. It's amazing. It's Carla versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented, as always, by Progressive Insurance. Boy, Joe, what a story this morning from Woj and Ramona Shelburne. For those who are uninitiated or unfamiliar with what we're talking about, Woj and Ramona this morning reported that over a 24-hour window prior to the trade deadline that included owner-to-owner conversations, the Warriors made an unsuccessful bid to convince the Lakers and LeBron James to consider a trade that would pair him with Steph Curry in Golden State. How good is this? Wow. Right? Like, how good is this? Like, right away, I just want to know this. What was your first reaction to the story?
3: First reaction to the story, okay. first, The first overall honest reaction was, yeah, he doesn't want to be Kevin Durant. That's the first thought. Mm. He doesn't want to be Kevin Durant. And that's not to knock what Durant did. But Durant took a lot of heat for leaving OKC to join the team he couldn't get past. He joined them, he had a hell of a run, won a couple chips, and then ended up leaving. But to this day, people will still look at Kevin Durant and they'll ask questions about his greatness. Never mind the fact that he's a human bucket getter with the way he can get to the mid-range and just knock those shots down relentlessly. People still look at him and say, well, I mean, you know, you had Steph and Clay and Draymond and they had already won one, and then you left and then they went and won another one against Boston. So ultimately, Durant's legacy... You know, there are some questions there that people want to ask. Yeah. So I would say the first thing that came to mind for me, LeBron does not want to have that on his resume. What was the
2: first thing that came to your mind? I, I always go right away whenever I see a story like this, like who does this benefit, right? This being out there. It made me think immediately that Jeannie Buss, Lakers management, Rob Palenka, whoever, when they tell the Warriors – to go ahead and reach out to Rich Paul to gauge their interest. But we don't want to trade him. But if you want to reach out and, and you know, see where he's at, go ahead. That just makes me think, like, the Lakers may not have been all that broken up if LeBron had said, let's get out Woo. of here.
3: And for those just being brought up to speed, like Carlin mentioned at the top, that's how it started. Warriors owner Joe Lacob called Lakers owner Jeannie Buss. And rather than Jeannie saying, Joe, we appreciate the call. You're crazy. We'd never trade LeBron, which is one avenue she could have pursued. She said, you know what? If you want to take it up with his representation, you can go ahead. Not saying she gave a blessing, but she did say it was okay for them to talk.
2: This was the exact quote from the story. The Warriors and Lakers back and forth lands differently because it started on the ownership level And included bus referring the Warriors to James' representation to check for themselves about James' commitment to the Lakers. So were they themselves going on a little fishing expedition to see if that was at all going to intrigue LeBron and maybe it would tell them a little something about what his commitment to the Lakers was in the future? Because, of course, what initiated all of this? The hourglass emoji. (laughs) It it. all comes back to the emojis. That's what did it. It was, oh, okay, maybe he's not happy with what's going on. And if I'm the Lakers, I kind of get it. Because wouldn't the Lakers right now feel like they're kind of stuck in the middle? They're in a position where they have LeBron and AD. They got to the conference finals last year and then just got wiped out wiped out they only have one draft pick to trade in the future and lebron is always on top of us to trade everything we have to help him win now when we do actually have to consider the future somewhat i mean they have a couple other picks but only one that they were allowed to trade so i guess the lakers this makes me think maybe they would have been okay with hitting the reset button
3: It's wild to think that you could have LeBron James, who's playing at an all-NBA level this season, on your roster, Anthony Davis on your roster, and you're of the opinion that you're not truly going to compete all that deep into the postseason. It is nuts, isn't it? Right? Like, it's nuts to think that, but that is the position they're in. And maybe they're starting to realize, like any average business person, you don't need to be an astute or elite business person to understand that, yeah, this is going to be ending soon. One way or another, whether it's good or bad, it's going to end soon. He doesn't have that many years left. Davis doesn't have that many years left. You have to start thinking about the future. And you don't have a lot of draft picks. And you don't have a lot of talent in the pipeline. So maybe, just maybe, you want to start to indulge what life is going to be like post-LeBron. I will say I'm glad he didn't do anything about it. That's not him. He has changed teams before, but he's never left anybody hanging. He did everything he could in Cleveland the first time and then decided, you know what? I've been in Ohio my whole life. I'm going to Miami. I want to compete down there and play with my friends. Nothing wrong with that. Went down there, teamed up with Wade, with Bosh, had a lot of success. Then decided, you know what? This is done. Waits till the end of the season. Goes back to Cleveland. Brings them a championship. That comes to an end. Doesn't leave them in the lurch. Goes out to L.A. to pursue interests as well. Be happy. Do all the stuff that you should be free to do in your life. And I'm glad he takes advantage of it. He's never left anyone hanging. He's yep. never jumped ship. And I'm glad he didn't do it now. Although it would have been incredible for our line of business. Oh, like, absolutely. If this trade goes down, it goes down going into Super Bowl weekend. Oh, What's God. the lead story? Kyle
2: Shanahan would have loved this. <laughs> we wouldn't have been destroying him for the two and a half games uh, days going up to the game. We wouldn't have noticed it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I would have taken the ball first in overtime. Who cares? Back to LeBron and the Warriors. <laughs> well, then there's a, a third angle to this, and it's from Stephen A. Smith uh, this morning from First Take and his takeaway from this.
1: We have to wonder how happy LeBron James is with Lakers management. And by Lakers management, I'm thinking Palenka more than Genie Bus. Jeannie Bus is absolutely phenomenal. Everybody loves Jeannie. We all know this, but in the same breath, if you're LeBron James, you're looking at the team, you're wondering about – what exactly is being done to position you for title contention. And you're looking at some things and and seeing what y'all are lacking and you're wondering whether or not that's an ideal situation for you in L.A. In the end, to answer the question again directly, however, I would tell you, LeBron James, if there is one person on the planet he should want to play with, it would be Steph Curry, the greatest shooter God has ever created.
2: So let me ask this question. As you just pointed out, he's never left him in the lurch, bailed out in the middle of it, right? Does he change his mind this offseason? Does he look at it a little bit differently? Because just to be clear, he's got the $51 million player option, but as Woj pointed out and Ramona pointed out in this story, it is likely that he's going to decline it and look to sign another contract with the Lakers. I just, what's out there? Like, what more is out there that would
3: suit his needs? He's got his family in L.A., and I think the mm-hmm. lifestyle suits him really well. Like, L.A. is one thing when you have no money and no prestige. He's got all the money and all the prestige. LA's a hell of a place for someone like that. He's got his kid playing at USC, and if Bronny's back for another year next season, which we're assuming that's going to happen, you probably want to be close by for that as well. You've achieved everything there is to achieve in the NBA. So what more is there? And I understand the frustration that he could have with the Lakers, but what are the Lakers supposed to do? It seems like we go through this all the time with teams that he's on that might not be necessarily over the hump. What can be done when you're paying him an ungodly salary? You went out and got him Anthony Davis like he wanted. That cost a lot. And then ultimately, how else can you round out the roster? This isn't baseball where you can be the Dodgers and just stack the team one through nine with guys making 40-plus million a year. It doesn't work that way.
2: I'm just going to throw it out there for the hell of throwing. Oh, you got something, huh? Just going to – why not?
3: This, this is going to be rich because we didn't go over this earlier, so I don't even know what's coming here.
2: I'm going to sit back. This feels like this is going to be rich. Committed money for next year, maximum cap flexibility – Philadelphia
3: 76ers. Man, why you LeBron,
2: LeBron and Joel Embiid.
3: LeBron and Joel Embiid. He's going to give up Los Angeles to go to Philadelphia and presumably lose in the second round of the playoffs?
2: You think he's going to lose in the second round of the playoffs if he and Embiid are playing together with Tyrese Maxey? Maxi Maxey, yeah. That, I, I mean, mean Maxey yeah. has a team option for next year, but other than Embiid... Paul Reed at seven point seven million, and Maxi, the Sixers have absolutely no money committed to next year, none. I'm just, I, I don't expect it to happen. I think more likely, LeBron stays in uh, L.A and gives himself the most flexibility that he can.
3: Don't do that. Don't set up something that nice and then go, Ah, eh, it's probably not going
2: to happen. I would love to Lean see it, all it happen. all the way in, big
3: boy. Take I all would that love inertia to see it and go all the
2: way to the deep end of the pool, full cannonball. Well, but you know what my problem here is? LeBron is like, you know... He's got perspective all of a sudden. Like other things yeah. in life are important. He's well, become worldly. Woj,
4: yeah. wrote, Woj and Ramona wrote in the story Mike Dunleavy was the second team executive to call Rob Polinka on a possible James trade. After seeing James's cryptic social media post of an hourglass, Daryl Morey of the Sixers called Polinka to probe on a
3: James trade and was immediately told. James wasn't available. In fact, Polinka responded by asking if Joel Embiid was available. Yeah. No one, let me tell you something about Maury. Maury's that annoying guy in your fantasy football league yeah. who's on waivers at 1pm yep. every Tuesday, grabbing everybody, mm-hmm. sending you proposal after proposal where you're like, just get this guy out of the league. Right. Get this guy out of the league. He's a pain in the ass. I don't want to deal with all these emails and these alerts. That's who Maury is. Of course, Maury was in on him. Maury probably wanted Giannis and Dame to come over for Tobias Harris. He and no Noah- the- he, he was legit, like, yeah, it's not going to work. He
2: legit called the Suns about Durant and Booker. <laughs> Guy's calling everybody, all right? Guy is <laughs> calling everybody.
3: Yeah. Although I appreciate that. Stay aggressive, stay hungry, put them up. But, you know, you there see that call, Warriors it's like, look. I'll. There's a liar. <laughs> yeah, Harden. He's got a big one tonight. Hey, Harden's got a big one tonight. No jokes about Harden. One. Warriors Clippers tonight. That's a huge game. No Kawhi. Point
2: spread's tight. Warriors minus three and a half. That's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $750 on average. It's desperation time in San Francisco and we are for once not talking about Kyle Shanahan oh. and the Niners. <laughs> That's next on ESPN Radio, including on TuneIn.
1: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. NBA All Star Weekend on ESPN Radio. From the Rising Stars on Friday night to All Star Saturday night, including the Skills Challenge to Three Point and Slam Dunk Contest. Then on Sunday, the 73rd NBA All Star Game. The NBA's All Star Weekend. This weekend on ESPN Radio. Presented by Indeed.
2: Part of that, in the three point shooting, you got Sabrina Ionescu against uh, Steph Curry. So that should be pretty interesting. Part Huge. of All-Star Weekend. Who do you root for there?
3: Ionescu, right? Steph's yeah, already had enough success. Like, let's see her take him out.
2: No, oh, absolutely. Oh, you got to root for Ionescu. I think it's Ionescu. I think that's how it is. I probably screwed that up. I yeah. think I said Ionescu, too. Like, I was I'll trying to make
3: you. it sound like a wee thing, but it was you. I didn't even actually
2: say Thank it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I often will call somebody by one name one minute, and then three minutes later, this is often in games, by the way, Oh, completely in a professional it. capacity. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, when, <laughs> <laughs> when as Canty would say, it is required to be at my best, I am often at my worst. <laughs> 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 it's Carlin versus Joey, ESPN Radio, 6 <laughs> XM Channel 80. We didn't even talk about the Warriors side of this story. Again, the story earlier today that Woj and Ramona Shelburne uh, broke was that prior to the trade deadline, the Warriors and Lakers had a discussion about LeBron James getting traded to the Warriors, and it even made it to the ownership level. That's kind of where it began, although LeBron uh, and the Lakers eventually uh, shot it down altogether. Now, the Warriors part of this, I, I remember a quote from Joe of their owner, about a month ago where things were not going well, and it su- started to be suggested, well, maybe they'll be better off here to break this up. They're playing a little bit better right now, but Joe, it also feels like this is something that they were looking at out of pure desperation. Interesting
3: word there. I don't know if I'd agree with the word, but I think the sentiment that gets you there is the same sentiment that I would agree with as well here in that the end of the Steph Curry era is coming for Golden State. Joe Lacob and the Warrior Ownership Group has gotten a very good look at what life is like without Steph Curry, It is very ugly, it is very hideous, it is very scary, and it is very, shall we say, lacking in profitability for an organization that privately financed a beautiful facility in downtown San Francisco. But
2: again, those words... In downtown San Francisco, correct, possibly the most expensive area in the country.
3: Correct. I lived, rented. Want to be clear as we talk about how expensive this is. Right down the street from where they built that arena, I've been there. It is a phenomenal property. It's right on the water. It is first class. Everything. But if you remember when they opened that building, it was the year after they had lost in the finals to the Toronto Raptors. Right. Mm-hmm. Durant was gone. Clay Thompson was hurt. Steph Curry only played five games that season, and the Warriors went 15 and 50 and tried to sell the world on D'Angelo Russell as a guy you should come watch and play because that's all they had. Draymond was healthy but didn't play a lot of games that season. 15 and 50, it doesn't add up to 82 because that was obviously the COVID shortened season, which happened in the second half of the year in 2020. They know what it's like. They are trying to maximize. Every last second of this window, which is why they're calling about guys like James. And I would imagine that they've made phone calls about other players we haven't even heard about yet. Because they are not about to let an era in which they have a top 10, possibly top 5, all-time great come to a conclusion without them picking up the phone at every last turn. Steph turns 36 March 14th. He's playing at a high level, but his usage rate is the third highest of his entire career, which I believe is right around 15 seasons at this point. They got to do everything they can, and that's why they were calling the Lakers about LeBron.
2: Yeah, and when I say desperation, I mean desperation to keep this going. Yeah. Desperation to not turn this whole thing into a sell-off at any point here. Because clearly with Clay and, and. there's been debate about this, but to me, I can look at Clay's numbers and I might be somebody else. And I could, if I'm close to a championship and it could feel like, oh, maybe he can help us this year. Clay is not a long-term viable solution for the Warriors. And that's why they haven't given him a contract. So you have to figure out since you've given Draymond the hundred million for over four years, what else is going to possibly fit here? And that's not easy. Like, you're, you're talking about you need a player who is very much like LeBron in terms of the style of his game to fit with Steph's style of game right now. And I get it. They won seven of eight. And maybe there's something left in them for a run. But I think that was the Warriors looking at the bigger picture. Like, there have been teams, Joe, that we've seen that, can talk themselves into believing that they're better than they are. I don't think the Warriors are doing that right
3: now. No, no, they're not. They understand exactly where they are. They understand that win against Boston to grab one last championship, they all probably realize that was the end of the line. But that doesn't mean they're not going to keep pushing for one last gasp. Because, again, if you have a top 10 all-time NBA player on your roster, you are practicing – negligence of the highest order if you are not out there trying to make that the best possible roster every single day. Every single day. You cannot afford to waste any of this talent. It's why you look around and you get frustrated at some of these organizations that have good quarterbacks but just can't figure it out with the head coach. Or you look at Philadelphia. Joel Embiid, high-level player for years, Sixers just can't figure it out. Some of these teams never have a player like that. Look at a team like Charlotte right now. Look at a team like the Wizards right now. There are teams all around the NBA Detroit right now that just they don't have anything and they're just wandering around aimlessly. When you get one of these generational guys, you got to go all the way in. So that's what Golden State is trying to figure out right now. Now, after the season, Do you see a scenario where these two could get together? Probably not. But I think bigger changes are coming in Golden State before we see bigger changes with the Lakers. That's how I would
2: envision it. Uh, Is it. For me, it's always been a foregone conclusion, at least the last few years, that Steph was going to end his career there. Yes, I don't think
3: anyone has any reservations about that going anywhere else.
2: Yeah, I I don't expect him. I still feel that way. I don't expect him to want to go play anywhere else. Like, I don't think he's going to be championship chasing at this juncture of his career. The only other
3: rumor that ever surfaced, and this was when I was there, and it's just a pipe dream, but having his father having played for the Hornets in Charlotte, him having gone to Davidson, maybe at the end of his career he goes to Charlotte. But I mean, how laughable uh, uh, is that right now? (laughs) Like, the idea of Charlotte having that opportunity, they can't get organized to save their life right now. They can't put anything out on the court.
2: There's a better chance he plays for the Panthers. And speaking of a team that
3: can't get organized. Yeah. Carolina Panthers. There's a better chance Steph Curry starting at quarterback for the Panthers than playing for the Hornets. It's Seth Garland is there for, now. It's, What's that? Seth just got traded there, his brother. To the Hornets? Yeah, so they already have that dream. I can't imagine he's too fond of that.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be excited. Who, oh, hey, it? you got traded. Yeah. Where to? Hornets.
3: It's like well, North Carolina is a nice place to live. That's true. That's where that ends. The outer yeah. bank. They got outer banks.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's an exploding area for sure. Right. Charlotte's yeah. booming for the northeastern <laughs> retirees. Exactly. Everybody can't get out of the northeast fast enough to get to Charlotte. But <laughs> Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel eighty. How about the Handman jumping in? Handman's ready. He's Look he's sharp.
3: That. He's got UFC two ninety eight this weekend. He's got a big card coming up. He's on his game. He's on his game today.
2: We all know that the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC. Who leads the pack, though, in the NFC? In just moments, that answer may surprise you. It's really coming up after I have this from Indeed. Mm. And, Joe, it's the perfect time to gear up. Connect to quality candidates. There's no better way to do that than through Indeed, the hiring platform that makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all in the same place. Their interview tool helps you schedule and conduct video interviews right from your employer dashboard. Next to hassle, start hiring Indeed.com credit.
1: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
0: s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you again try jet's signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e jet's pizza better because it has to be
5: carlin versus joe on
1: espn radio I have a feeling I may steal from this
3: guy, but I've Uh-oh. actually known this
0: guy for a long, long period of time. Don't you do it. How do you not love Carlin?
3: Chris Carlin. Oh, that's a oh, good I, one. We'll
1: do a show with him, and you'll realize why you don't love him. <laughs> yeah, that's all you got to do. I love Chris do, Carlin. Do, do a show Chris with Chris
3: Carlin in my life has helped me get many opportunities. He's a guy you could hug, you could talk about anything with. I love Carlin, so Carlin number two in my most lovable ESPN personality. That's, a,
1: that's a great pick. I mean, how, how you just, just told me it was a how, terrible how, pick. How, right? how, could, how could you not like a guy that has a built-in helmet walking around every day?
2: <laughs> I mean, how do you take that? How am I only number two? <laughs> I mean, that—that's the only way to take this. Anybody I'm immediately as lovable as I may be, I immediately go for the slight. Anybody feeling bad, going, man, Canty
3: shouldn't have said that. Car- Carlin, Carlin, you deserve better for you to immediately come on and go, why am I only number two? All that goodwill erased immediately.
2: Well, he's not wrong about the head thing. I mean, I have, I do have a built-in helmet on this thing.
3: Oh, that thing's the New Orleans Superdome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's Carlin versus Joe <laughs> on ESPN Radio. That chuckle you hear <laughs> is, in fact, Chris Canty from on Like. I, I mean, who did I lose to?
5: I mean, I, I mean, listen, I, I'm not saying that you lost to anybody because you were included in that, but there were... I'm saying that I lost. <laughs> no, you didn't lose, big fella, you didn't lose because we, we actually included you on our show. We actually mentioned you by name. We included you on the show as a part of one of the most lovable personalities. I mean, names like Damian Woody and Christine Lisi. Wow. I mean, you, okay. you had Buster only on there. You were included in that group. You were a part. So we love you. unsportsmanlike Like the Morning Club, we love you. Big okay. So, Carlin, and, do you understand and what's I'm, happening and I'm, here? And I'm raz- He's and I'm li- razzing you a little bit with the head because that's what we do. We make fun of you when we love you.
3: He's telling you because you got a mention— on the world's greatest morning sports talk radio show, you should be feeling good about that. That's a hell that that well done there, Canty.
2: Yeah, well done. It's it's a vintage Canty move of propping himself up while making it look like he's giving you a compliment. <laughs> that was beautiful. That's something out of my playbook. <laughs> well done. Well done. Uh, Chris Canty of Unsportsmanlike is, of course, with us. Uh, first things first, one of the biggest Laker fans I know. What do you make about this whole LeBron uh, possibility that existed, the 24-hour discussion about LeBron and the
5: Golden State Warriors? You know what? It's it's exactly what Joe Ford said earlier in you guys' show. I thought the exact same thing. It was ego that got in the way of a deal not being consummated because it makes too much sense on both sides. When you look at the Golden State Warriors in the short term, they have a chance to compete for a championship this year if you add LeBron age. If you think about it from the Lakers' side, LeBron has an opt-out this summer. If he does want to go back to L.A. after his rental in the Bay Area, he can absolutely do that. But the team that he would be going to in the Lakers would be much better for it because you got to think pieces like Kamenga would have to be included in that transaction. And if you're the Lakers, you would love to have a player like that alongside LeBron and AD. He gives you a young wing that you can have to build around, along with Anthony Davis, in the post-LeBron era of Lakers basketball. So it just seemed like it made too much sense to happen. You throw in Chris Paul to match salaries, that makes sense. I-, I just felt like that was one of those things that, that should have happened, uh, could have happened. Both teams would have been the better for it for different reasons, obviously. And LeBron would be closer to competing for a championship this year. Oh. Uh, staying with the Lakers, he doesn't have a shot at being able to come out of the West. Not when you look at the top five teams in the standings.
3: And and, and us being Sports Talk Radio hosts, we would have benefited greatly, greatly from all of this. Mm -hmm. Now let's transition from hoops, very well said on your behalf, over to the NFL. You recently released your top five Super Bowl contenders for next season. Fantastic list. We wanted to get to it yesterday. We didn't. Now we have a chance to speak with you about it today. The only contender you have in the top five from the NFC is the Detroit Lions. Why do you see the Lions as the cream of the crop in the NFC?
5: Well, I just believe in how they're built, right? You've got five all-pro players from this season, and they're all going to be back next year. You've got stability at the quarterback position, but you also got stability with your coordinators because Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn aren't going anywhere. So when you look at that, you look at the average age of the players onto that team, it's going to be one of the youngest rosters in football next year again. But you think about what they're building from a culture standpoint, and you, you add another year of seasoning for Dan Campbell. Hopefully he learns. And you don't see some of the immaturity with those fourth down decisions in the playoffs. I, I just gotta believe that Detroit is gonna continue to ascend. The NFC East is a total mess right now. I mean Dallas and Philly, you can't have any stock in them. Both coaches feel like they're on the hot seat there. Brian Dable's probably on the hot seat with the New York Giants. The commanders are, are, are you know, going through a rebuild. With their program, when you look at the NFC South, I'm going to go ahead and discount all of those teams in that division. So really, what it comes down to is the San Francisco 49ers and the LA Rams, and and I I just like where the Detroit Lions are at from a roster construction standpoint, from a culture standpoint, better than where those two franchises are at this point in time.
2: Chris Canty with us on like each and every morning, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and, of course, on ESPN2, ESPNU. Um, Canty, you have talked about the, the 49ers. You're tossing them aside. I mean, I, I'm just kind of wondering in, in all of this, they're the favorites. Why are you so willing to toss them aside so quickly?
5: Big fella, that Super Bowl loss is the kind of loss that you don't get off the mat from. Mm. It, it is. I mean, 48 hours after their season's over with, Kyle Shanahan sat there with John Lynch, and they did the postmortem on the season, and he continued to double down on taking the ball, citing his analytics department and saying that that was what their philosophy was given the situation. Now, Ford Bond, you're a wizard with the numbers. I was told there would be no math when it came to sports radio, <laughs> but nevertheless, there is math. I just don't know how you come up with numbers for a model when the scenario has actually never bared itself out given the rules that we've seen in the playoffs change in the past two years. Past two postseasons, we haven't had any overtime games. So what exactly is the data and the information that you are inputting into your overall analytic strategy that's driving the decision to take the ball first when there's clear – clearly not going to be any absolution when it comes to whatever you do on that first drive. This is not like the old overtime rules where you can get the ball, go down, score a touchdown, and win the game. No, 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 no. Both teams are guaranteed a possession. So that means no matter what you do, punt the ball, field goal, you know, touchdown and extra point, touchdown and two-point conversion, no matter what happens, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to get the ball. And so I I, I don't understand for the life of me why you wouldn't want to have the information that you need to know whether you can win the game, whether you can tie the game by choosing to defer when you win the coin toss in overtime. I would much rather have the ball second in overtime based on the playoff rules now than first. It's similar to why you would want to have the ball second in the college football overtime. And people keep telling me that there's some type of rationale, fellas, behind taking the ball first. I still haven't had anybody explain it to me in a way that makes any sense. Canty, awesome stuff as usual. I will
2: expect that I will show up number one on uh, some sort of positive list next week. Then that will
5: come from you. Well, we can't use you anymore because you were actually named in the list. So we've got to move on. So you were included in the lovable personality.
2: Well, you have my personal permission to use me each and every week. Prop us up. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have guidelines.
5: (laughs) They have guidelines. (laughs) All right.
3: When we get to July 4th and we do the Nathan's hot dog eating contest and you're drafting your top three guys, I'm sure you're back on that list. Right, Canny?
5: No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Carl, is a, is a, he would be a heady player for that.
2: <laughs> Look at you right there. Little double entendre. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, guys. you have a good one. Thanks, Kenny. So he went to Virginia. Smart guy. Very smart. Little double entendre there. Didn't think I was going to be picking up on that. Heady play. Heady play. I mean, he's not wrong. My head is a size eight and a quarter. There's a lot of head. Oh, my God. There's a lot of head. You go see a
3: neurologist. That guy's. That guy's got to think like Kyle Shanahan. He's got to think about overtime. He's got to think about that third
2: possession. My father was a neurologist, and he looked at this and was like, let's let somebody else handle this. <laughs> you will hear from Kyle Shanahan and his trusty sidekick, John Lynch, on what happened in just moments, Kathy was just talking about it. You will hear what they had to say. It's next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius 6 XM Channel 80.
1: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
4: Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring.
3: If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.
2: One year from now, we're going to be talking about Kyle Shanahan potentially getting fired. They haven't won a title in 29 years. Like, that's hard to say, but it's true. They've gotten there. They haven't won a title in 29 years, and that's not what the 49ers are about. There is not a coach whose name is not Andy Reid, who's mm-hmm. having more consistent success in the NFL right now than Kyle Shanahan, and the
0: San Francisco 49ers are glad to have him. It's just kind of unfortunate that who they went against, but yeah, I have full confidence in Shanahan.
2: To be clear, I still believe, Joe, 80% to 85% of why the 49ers lost the game is because they're going up against Patrick Mahomes. Fully still believe that. But Kyle Shanahan played a role, and there does seem to be a through line here with some bad losses for teams that he was involved with. So that's why we continue to talk about this. But what is amazing to me – and. I want to give you credit for this because when we first got the kind of the lay of the land on what he had said yesterday, your first reaction is, why are they still talking about this? Like, why are they out there extending this story? Yeah. They just continue
3: to keep feeding the story. This story should be dead. It should have been a story on Monday. And if you'll notice the way in which the news cycle worked early in the morning, Coming off the Super Bowl, a lot of the talk was about the dynasty and Mahomes versus Brady. And then as the day went on and we thought more and more about it, we had the opportunity at noon to come on here. This became the talking point. And then it was a talking point on Tuesday as the morning shows got back into it. And then it could have died, except for the fact that the Niners, Shanahan, Lynch, they addressed it yesterday. And now it's got new life without shall we say quality answers? Because I don't think anyone feels good about this as of right now. I don't
2: know how you can. So here is Shanahan explaining himself yesterday.
6: We did say, and we told everyone as we were waiting for the coin toss, hey, review everyone with them, make sure they're sure before we go out. So we asked the position coach to do that, but I didn't cover it in a meeting on the Super Bowl week. I don't think that changes anything. Um, We did it with our analytics department. We decided that going into the playoffs, what... You know, I think you guys know how I've explained how I make decisions with that stuff in the past. I take all the information I can get, um, especially ones I haven't been in. And our um, looks felt that was the best way to go. But as you guys know, I don't always just go with that. Uh, I take into account what they say, what they think is right. And then I go off my gut in the heat of battle. And I knew what they felt going into it. And when I think about that during the moments I have to make the decision, I think the type of game it was did match what they felt was the best way to do. It did seem more like a field goal game. Um, and our defense had been out there for a real long time right before that. So uh, it was no, I didn't feel at all
2: to override that at the time. And John Lynch immediately, immediately sitting next to him, followed up with this.
0: Some other context, I believe we just closed. I think it was 11
2: play drive that
0: we just closed the game with. And when you're playing Mahomes, you're chasing him a lot. you know. So there's a lot of effort that's expended, I think, you know, The context from there is you you need some time to get fresh and so all those things play into it and and those those were sound decisions
2: all right number one joe the idea about being tired i would have bought that if you had told me that after the game if you had told me after the game yeah you're chasing these guys around yeah they actually had a 12 play drive before that then the 11 play drive then i buy it then I buy it a little bit more. Do you know Not why you four buy days it? days later. Do
3: you know why you buy it? Because it doesn't need to be analytically driven. It's a yeah. reason. It's a it's a good reason hey, we went with this because of this reason, and all of us can understand that. All of us can say, yeah, we watched that defense just get mowed down. Okay, that makes sense. Thanks for answering the question. Then the analytics guys go out and come out and say, well, it's not the optimal decision, and here's why. And then we say, all right, all right, analytics this, Shanahan gave a good reason, and then there can be the fight, but it doesn't last for three days. Here's the
2: other part, though, that really bugs me to no end. First of all, again, no accountability in it. No no like yeah we we should have done a better job of communicating that. No, I told our position coaches to make sure everybody knew that right before overtime started. It was not we covered it during the week. So that makes me just think you're you're not nearly as buttoned up as your operation needs to be. Secondly, I'm never going to argue that Kyle Shanahan isn't a good coach and he took this organization from the depths of you, as you have described, of the Jim Tomsula, Chip Kelly years and built it into what it is now with John Lynch. The two of them have done an amazing job. They've missed on some things and taken some massive swings, but they haven't been worse off for it. At some point, though, the question does get asked internally. And my guess is John Lynch is asking himself this question about it the other day. Can he get us to where we need to be? Can he get us? He's gotten us here. Can he get us over the top? And that's why I'm talking about next year. This could be a discussion. Well,
3: there's a few things to take away from um This press conference that just, again, they provide more questions than answers. That's the problem. All right, so let's operate under a few assumptions here. I told the positional coaches to go instruct the players before overtime started. Okay, let's believe that's true. The running back coach clearly didn't listen to you because Kyle Juszczyk is a running back and Kyle Juszczyk said after the game he was unaware of the rules. So that's one positional coach who didn't do his job. Mm-hmm. On top of that, Eric Armstead, a defensive lineman, said after the game he was unaware of the rules so the defensive line coach didn't instruct his guys either. Or maybe they did and these two guys just completely blew off the instructions. I find that hard to believe, but it would it would appear as if had the positional coaches been instructed and done their jobs the players are either blowing them off, not listening, or some of the positional coaches are not doing their job. Agreed. That's that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, we keep hearing about analytics. Someone needs to explain the analytics. You got to stop saying, well – We want the ball third because we can win in sudden death. Like you said yesterday, show your work. Yeah, you didn't get a third possession because you didn't handle the first two possessions properly. If the analytics tell you that you want the ball third, you're missing a key detail. And this is the key detail no one's bringing up. If the analytics state that getting the ball third is the optimum scenario, you are discounting the fact that if you score a TD and kick the extra point, the second team scores a touchdown, they're going for two. They are not gonna play for an extra point so they can kick it back to you in an analytically friendly situation that team's going to be aware of the analytics as well. So if the best case scenario is for you to get the ball third in sudden death, the team getting the ball second is going to swing that advantage by going for the win if they score a touchdown to match you in overtime. They're playing for two. So they either get it and win or they miss and you win. But again, much like we saw in the Super Bowl, there won't be a third possession. So you have to stop telling people the advantages in getting the third possession because there wasn't a third possession in the Super Bowl. And had you scored a touchdown to kick the extra point, you know the Chiefs are going to go for two. They're not going to kick it back to you. So you're never going to have the third possession in that scenario either. And then there's the third thing here. If you go through all of this, in the four days it's been discussed, you got Niner players saying they didn't know the rules. You got a general manager saying the defense was tired. You got a head coach saying he's been through the analytics and that he instructed the positional coaches, but apparently the positional coaches didn't tell their guys. This reeks of disorganization. That's what this is. And literally, I brought it up, the definition of the word disorganized, not properly planned and controlled. They were disorganized in the most important moment – in the most important game of a very important season.
2: That's what it comes down to. And and that's why this question is going to get asked next year. It's great. We've done a lot of great things here, Joe. But the 49ers have been about championships in their history. So what is it right now that makes me think he's going to get us over the hump when we're calling him disorganized?
3: Well, you learn from your mistakes. The hope is that you learn from the mistakes and you come back more
2: organized next season. Well, you hope so. You hope. You, can't get, you cannot guarantee it for sure.
1: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
3: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI –